Welcome to Unrooted, a podcast about home. I'm your host, Julie Hotz, and in season one, I'm going to take you on my cross-country move. We're going to explore homesickness, embrace a new city, weather unexpected surprises, and become comfortable with uncertainty and new transitions. We'll have conversations about home with friends near and far, and hear the home stories of people across the country and the globe. We'll discuss the places we find ourselves living in and moving through. We'll touch on belonging, homesickness, gentrification, the history of the places we love, borders, and a lot more. Now, onto the show. All right, do me a favor if you can. Close your eyes and answer these questions. What is home? What does home mean to you? Where is your home? What makes you feel most at home? How do you know your home? Does a clear answer just pop right into your head? Do you draw a blank? Or do you come up with hundreds of clarifying questions and answers? My home's in my studio. Wherever I am. It is the most beautiful valley in the world. No matter how simple or complicated your answers are, I know you have a home story. We all have home stories. I know my first thought is, excuse me, which home are you talking about? The home of my family, as in where I was raised? Are we talking about the home of my heart? What about the home of my career? Uh, the home of where all my stuff, my things, my possessions are currently stored. For me, answering these questions is like doing one of those thousand-piece puzzles, but without the help of the picture on the box. To me, these answers are so elusive. They're multifaceted, and they're cobbled together over time. But what a privilege to be able to ask and to try to answer these questions, even if I feel like I'm struggling to answer them. One reason I'm struggling is because last year I moved from Los Angeles to New York City, and it was unexpected and complicated. I was excited for a change in momentum, but I was also completely heartbroken to leave my beloved West Coast. But I'm not even from the West Coast. So why was I so sad? And why did I move in the first place? Really, the best way for me to answer these questions is to go back to the beginning tell you the whole story, and to talk to a lot of people along the way. 35 years ago, I was born in Dallas, Texas, a city which sits on lands that were originally inhabited by the Kittikadish, also known as the Wichita people. I was raised in the suburbs, the oldest of four girls, in a house with a backyard and a swing set that my dad built by hand. I always prayed for snow in the winter and definitely lots of pool time in the summer, but got much more of the latter than I did of the former. This was my home until I went to college. I went to undergrad in East Texas where the land gets really flat and the skies... Okay, let's just fast forward this story to 2010. And I still had not figured out what I was supposed to do with my life. A couple of years after finishing grad school, but before I relocated, I decided to hike the Pacific Crest Trail a trail that is over 2,600 miles long, and it runs north from the California-Mexico border through the mountains to the Washington-Canada border. 
I began without any prior backpacking experience, which went really well, and I didn't finish the whole trail in one go like I'd hoped and planned. But I did fall in love with the mountains out west. My relocation decision was pretty influenced by this. I mean, after hiking over 1,700 miles up the west coast and becoming totally infatuated with the landscape, how could I not move west? And Los Angeles was where the mountains met the world of film and media, so it just made sense. The whole time I was living in Los Angeles, I felt pretty certain I wouldn't be there forever. I traveled pretty often for work, and the more I traveled, the more I wondered where I would end up long-term. And the more I worked, the more I would hike in my downtime to manage stress. And the more I hiked, the more I started dreaming about living in a smaller mountain town. But in 2017, I met someone and fell in love. But they were in Los Angeles for a year-long fellowship. And when that fellowship ended, they got a job offer in New York City, and it was a good job offer. So of course it was then that I suddenly realized just how much I did like Los Angeles and just how much I was in love with the West Coast. I had always loved visiting New York City, but living there sounded kind of dreadful. What was more valid, for me to stay in the place that I loved or to follow the person I loved? Am I being crazy? Why can't we Anywhere stay here? But New York what City. What about the mountains? I Am love? I overthinking this? What about my plan? What do I even want? But what is home? Where is home? Will I ever know? Maybe I feel torn about home, unrooted and kind of adrift at times. But I know that I'm very fortunate to always be able to go back home to family, to the same house I've always known my grandmother to live in in Sherman, Texas. So I went to her house so I could ask her some questions about home. Some things in this house have always stayed the same. There's the same out-of-tune piano and plastic grapes that can be found in the dining room. The familiar 1970s wallpaper is still in the bathrooms. Some of my grandmother's offerings haven't changed either. Can I get you some ice cream or... But there definitely are things that have changed. I don't use palm olive anymore. Do you use palm olive? My grandpa, us grandkids, called him Popo, and his cigarette smoke are no longer there. Neither are the old family pets. There's tile instead of carpet in the kitchen. The always greasy skillet doesn't have fried okra sizzling in it anymore. The TVs are flatter, the phones are more mobile, and the driveway's more cracked. My grandma... Mimi, as us grandkids call her, has gotten older and lost more hearing, but she has not lost her sense of humor. Okay, you'll have to ask a question because my brain's gone numb. <laughs> Mimi is a constant, a security blanket, one of my many homes. I was born in Amarillo, Texas. Don't remember that. You don't remember being born? <laughs> I don't remember that. I remember the story that was told, you know. I was born in a home, and uh, old Dr. Estap, they said, came out. But she wasn't always in Texas. 
Colorado has been a big part of my life. That's where I was living when my dad was hurt. And I remember that house. It was pitiful. <laughs> it was cold and we were poor, poor, poor. Mimi was a young girl when she was living in Colorado and her dad had a work accident on the mountain, which left him in a hospital in Denver for two whole years and it ultimately left him paralyzed from the waist down. When my dad had his accident, I lived with grandmother some way out in the country in Slayton. Grandmother was widowed at 35 with five children. And I remember that house and it was home and honey, it was an old fallen down farmhouse. It's where she lived not too far from the railroad tracks. But that house at that time was home. I mean, it's where your loved ones are. But then when it's just you, it's where your loved ones have been. But really, your a home is your shelter, you know. It's, it, it's, uh, I don't know how the dictionary defines home. Do you, have you looked that up? Mimi gets up from her chair and pulls a thick old book off the shelf. It's a collection of quotes, kind of like a dictionary. It's in alphabetical order, but instead of definitions, it has quotes related to each word. I'd love for you to take this book of thoughts. I used it in college all the time, and I believe you would, could use it in your writings. H-E-L-H-A. Home. A home, the spot of earth, supremely blessed, a dearer, sweeter spot than all the rest. Isn't that right? Um, be it, this is what I like, because be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. And that is so true, because we talked about all the humble places I've lived. To be happy at home, and I am, is the ultimate aim of all ambition. We need not power or splendor wide hall or lordly dome, the good, the true, the tender, these form the wealth of home. I like that one, don't you? Only the home can found a state. That leaves me cold. <laughs> you don't have to like them all. I like being ever so humble. There's no place like home. After moving around as a young girl, her final stop was in Sherman, Texas, where she lives to this day. She married a smart and handsome Navy pilot and then had my dad, Ed. When she was pregnant with her next son, Jimmy, her husband was killed in a plane crash while working as a test pilot. When Ed's dad was killed... I got 
a $10,000 policy. <clears throat> Wouldn't go anywhere today. I took 5000 paid down on a house. It was the cutest little two-bedroom, one-bath house. And then after Jimmy was born, it got to be too little. And I was able to move to Denton Drive. The one on Denton Drive, I love dearly. With my dad behind the wheel, we load up in the truck, and Mimi takes us on a little field trip to see the old houses. The one on Denton Drive? Yeah, that's where Ed lived when that's our first home after his dad was killed. That we lived there, and I'm sure he doesn't remember the port, but he does remember Denton Drive. It was so funny. When we were living there, uh, it was before he started his first grade, I remember that. He got upset about something. Anyway, he decided he was going to pack his bags and leave. And I said, Ed, you don't want to leave. It's getting late, dark. Well, he packed his bags and he got to the front door and started out the step. He looked around. He said, well, it is getting kind of late. I think I'll wait till in the morning. Well, in the morning, it was never mentioned. (laughs) 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 It was so cute. Okay, the first street left. This is Horton. Right here. Uh Uh-huh. Is on the east side. And it's that house it, they've added to it. This is it right here, so don't go all the way. Stop here, Ed. They built a front porch on it. It didn't have that. That's where we were living when I went through the dining room wall with my car. What? Yeah. That's it. How did you go through the dining room with your car? I hit the accelerators to the brake. Okay, now come around. Oh my gosh, so cut and dry. Don't we all hit the gas pedal instead of the brake sometimes? It's the gray one on the west side. The house on Denton Drive is literally just a street over. Um, and the back is all windows. And Mother and Addie made drapes for that front room. It was a pretty little house. The neighborhood is still so cute, but I really want a time travel filter to see what it looked like when she lived there. That's it. They were both good, the one on Denton Drive and the one on Andrews. Yeah. But when we were growing up, you didn't stay in the house. You stayed outside and played. Yeah. All this was pasture, wasn't it, Ed? everything. Ed used to haul hay out here. Mimi begins to describe the changes around us as we drive back home. It's not a gentrification via hipster coffee shops, fancy condos, and expensive boutiques, but a corporate, capitalist kind of shift. Yeah, Sherman was one of the most fun places. It's In my opinion, Sherman has gone down, and it's the big stores that have booted out the the little ones. 
the little grocery stores. I used to have a little neighborhood grocery that was just fabulous. Had the best meat counter butcher shop, I'd say. Cut your own. I didn't even have to tell him. I'd just say, I need a rump roast for so many people. He cut them. I didn't even know how to buy meat when he closed. And Walmart, Tom Thumb, Kroger closed him. I've seen a, it absolutely dilapidate downtown where it used to be fun to go downtown. There's nothing but law offices, courthouse, and stuff like that. Boring, boring, nothing interesting. Back at Mimi's house, she settles into her comfy home chair, and I sit on the ottoman, the same ottoman I used to do somersaults off of as a kid. And we talk about her current house, a house she bought with her second husband, my grandpa. Moved here in 1978. I took a real estate course while I was still teaching. It was so important to me to have a nicer home that I took, I thought, well, I'm gonna take real estate. And I moved here. And I've loved it ever since. I've always loved homes. I should have gone into real estate. I mean, I have every home book. I, I look through the home ads. My favorite program for a long time was HGTV. And I look at all those houses and home. So it is just a house until it becomes a home. The, the loved ones in it's what makes it a home. The older you get, the more you appreciate your home. And the thing, it becomes, it's your comfort zone. It's where you are most comfortable. I'm to the age now that when I get out just to go to the grocery store and all, I can't wait to get back home and get in my home chair. I don't know, it's just, it's a security blanket. I guess you'd call, but it's so dear to everyone. Home is their comfort zone, really is the way I would say. You're more comfortable, relaxed. As I listen back through the conversations I recorded with Mimi, I start to wonder, did all her interest in homes over the years have to do with houses themselves? Or was it simply representative of stability to her? Was she trying to create stability in a world that for her often changed in an instant? Mimi is such a stable force in my life. And the son she raised, my dad, to me at least, is the very definition of stability. He is one of the most reliable people I know. His style hasn't changed since I've known him. To him, home is certain. Home is family. Home is Texas. Well, home is where you live. It's uh, Texas. Home is where your heart is, where your family was raised, uh, where you're comfortable. It's in Texas. It's uh, 
south of the Red River. I think of mountains, I think of flatlands, West Texas, East Texas pine trees. Uh, Texas is a, a vast state with different geography. Yeah, I'd like to encourage all of my daughters to stay in Texas, especially Julie. My dad never hides the fact that he would love for me to live in Texas forever and ever. In fact, in the days and weeks leading up to my move to Los Angeles back in the fall of 2010, he started grasping at straws. One afternoon, he called me up and said, Hey, just want to let you know, since you don't have any work lined up in Los Angeles, the city here posted a job listing for a dog catcher. Thought you might be interested. I told him, Dad, are you kidding? I would be the worst dog catcher ever. I'd want to bring them all home or let them all run free. But thanks for thinking of me. I didn't take this as a sign that my dad wasn't aware of my interests or talents. I took it as a sign that he loved me. This is a good centrally located uh, place to launch all of your adventures worldwide. You've got the DFW Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. From there, you can go anywhere you want. Live and die in Texas. Um, I remember one time, it was while I was living in LA, I was here visiting, and I mentioned something about, oh, blah, 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 when I go back home. And you looked at me and you said, You are home. <laughs> this is home. So how long does it have to, a person have to be somewhere? Can you have many homes? Can you, is there only one home? Well, it gets back to home is where the heart is, uh, where you want to be, where you want to call home. I mean, I know that I have been jealous about people like you. Like, all of your heart is kind of in one home, where I feel like my heart is divided into many pieces and I have many homes. And that complicates things. Yes, it does. It makes you, it makes you feel like you're divided. You want to be here, you want to be there. There's no place to call home. Yeah, I totally feel that right now. Maybe it's because I grew up in a house that my parents filled with so much stability and consistency and love that I've been able to take some non-traditional paths. They helped me stand up so I could just dive right off that solid foundation and swim into the sea of uncertainty. My parents taught me to navigate, but I didn't realize how far I'd be swept out to sea. But that being said, I have the benefit of knowing I'm a strong swimmer and that I always have a shore I can swim back to. Jenna. My sister Jenna has also had the same stable and loving environment growing up that I did, but unlike me, she's lived in North Texas her whole life. I should note that her two-month-old daughter is sleeping on her shoulder, so you might hear a tiny little sigh or two. I have never thought about that. I think that when I think of home, I think of like where I put my head most often. 
I always feel like my home is where my my cozy things are. Like I've got things situated the way I like them. Um, things are in my particularities. It's fashioned that way. It's the amount of messiness I'm comfortable with. It's the kind of food that I like to have in my pantry. It smells the way I want it to smell. Also, don't... I don't know. Like, I think if I miss anything that's like home, it's nostalgic for the past. So like, I would miss... I miss Saturday morning cartoons. I'm. We talk about that all the time. Joshua and I is like, I'm gonna wake up on Saturday and watch Saturday morning cartoons. We never watch Saturday morning cartoons, but I miss that uh, nostalgic part of growing up, which was to me home. Jenna's husband, Josh, is sitting next to her on the couch, so I turn to him. Josh, what about you? What do you think? Home. Uh, if you don't want to answer, you, don't you answer. can no, also, uh, you can disagree with me. Yeah, I mean, I have the benefit of answering these questions second, kind of. So uh, your answers may have influenced me or given me time to think about stuff. But I think for me, a big part of it is also people. Like if I had a home that was exactly what I wanted it to be, but it was just stuff, I wouldn't really want to be there. Um, so I don't know where that goes back to but it's definitely people like we can Jenna and I can go on trips or I can go on trips with my friends and feel perfectly at home even though I'm not in a physical space right I'm sorry my answer was totally different and I basically said home is where stuff is that I like okay. <laughs> home is where things smell the way I wanted to smell <laughs> Like I said, I have the benefit of answering second, so. I've just been sitting over I'd here. I'd like to change my answer. Home is where the heart is. I've just been sitting over here with my introvert self developing the perfect answer. Jenna expands upon her thoughts of home a little bit more. I'll always refer to other people's homes as wherever they dwell. It's kind of like also, I guess, I don't really think much about it. Like, even if they move every month, that's to me their home. And so I think that's why I think about my home as wherever I'm at at the moment. Because recently um, we had our baby, our first baby, and people said the same thing that they said when we first got married. And it both times it bothers me where when we first got married, people's quote unquote advice is marriage is hard. And then when we said we were going to have a baby six years later, you know, their quote unquote advice says big kids are hard and it's a lot of hard work. And I always want to respond to people like, uh, no, excuse me. Life is hard. Like buying your first car is hard. Going to college is hard. Finding out your friend's parents have cancer is hard. Like, every part of life is hard and uncharted. And to me, like, home has never been, like, one place or the other. It's just wherever you're at then, I guess. And right now, I'm in a place where I'm struggling through the concept of home, and I think that's why I want to do this project. Okay, so why do you think you struggle? Like, why is it a a problem that you're struggling with the concept of home does it unsettle you that you don't know 
now I'm asking you the questions. Does it unsettle you that you don't have a definition of home that doesn't, you haven't put your finger on? No, I think I'm curious. curious how other people process it. And I always like asking questions. I feel like it's just a seeker mentality. And, and maybe because I have asked some hard questions about like, what is more valid to be with the person I love or the place I love? Mm. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer but I'm just very curious about all the ways it could be answered I would have to say I've never loved like I'm always I'm I'm content where I'm at um but I wouldn't say like I love Dallas and so I've never had to struggle with like person over place because uh no questions asked it's person because I don't love Dallas but I think that part of that is, like, I lived in Dallas all my life because my parents, you know, took care of me for 18 years. Then I went to a college that I chose that happened to be an hour away. It wasn't because I didn't want to leave the area. And then uh, I fell in love with a guy who also lived in the Dallas area, and we got married, and he happens to be an only child. And his parents and him are very close. But in a way that, like, it would break their hearts if we moved to Colorado because they don't have a plethora of other kids. He means the world to them. And so in my mind, I haven't even ever considered moving to a different state because, like, that would break their hearts. And so in a way, it's been really easy for me. Like, okay, we'll stay in this area unless something dramatic changes. And so maybe my answers are pretty easy and a little bit Disney World, where I'm just like, la la, home's just wherever your cozy smells are. <laughs> you know, it's like super surface level because I haven't ever had to consider leaving the area and I haven't ever truly tested do I get homesick. And if I'm homesick, what am I homesick for? Am I homesick for? Uh, being able to see my mom as often as I want, or am I homesick for the smells, like you said, of Dallas? Am I homesick? Like, what would I be? What in the world would I be homesick for? Um, or if it's just the familiarities of things, I don't know. This is so foreign to me to not register homesickness at all. It's so easy for me to get homesick to miss places I've been for years, months, or even days, to miss the sense of a place, the energy, the smells, the tastes of a city. But I also know it's not just about the sights and the smells or even the friends I have in Los Angeles. I also have an emotional tie to the West Coast, directly related to the fact that I hiked the PCT, the Pacific Crest Trail that I mentioned earlier. When I hiked the PCT, it made me grow up a lot and I had a lot of very intense emotional experiences. And so I think that drew me to this, this place in you know, some kind of weird way. What I'm saying here is such an understatement. Hiking the PCT completely reprioritized almost everything in my life. It rewired me. It was extremely trying and an emotional process. But through this process, I felt like my heart was being woven into the landscape. So that's interesting. I almost then wonder the psychology of it. Like, I wish we could see, like, a playback of how our brains light up. You had these intense 
powerful um, memories on the PCT? Like, did those produce lots of endorphins? And so, like, you crave where your body exploded in a good way, like of the sense and the sights and the learning. Is it that it was in the mountains? Like, could you have had the same thing on a submarine at the bottom of the ocean, you know? And that's what you, what you love. And in the same way do I find, like, this home for here, or here, because I've only really been in the North Texas area living-wise. And so thus, I've experienced all of my biggest traumas or elations all in this area um, with an asterisk that there have been many good memories traveling too. But maybe yours were just so powerful on the PCT that that's why you resonate with LA. Maybe it has nothing to do. Maybe it has nothing to do with LA. It just has something to do with your memories and your brain lighting up. Well, I mean, let's face it. I had a lot of endorphins pumping through me every day because I was walking like 20 that's, miles. That's true. And exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. Happy people just don't kill people. <laughs> that quote is from Legally Blonde. I do not think we'll stay here forever. For me, I don't want to leave this because we have poured so much time and sweat in like remodeling it. And it has the rifle paper wallpaper that I love. And I just don't want to get rid of that. The rifle paper wallpaper that Jenna is talking about here is a wallpaper made by the Rifle Paper Company. Google it if you want. But it's a really beautiful floral wallpaper that Jenna Scrimpton saved to buy for their DIY home renovations. I do love that the rifle paper wallpaper always comes up when we discuss this subject. I literally, literally, like when I think about selling the house, I think about saying goodbye to the wallpaper and that makes me really sad. And I realize I can buy this wallpaper again in any house or apartment even that we live in. But I just, it's the places that it's at in the house and I don't know if the next house will have the same kind of wall structure for the rifle paper wallpaper. Well, but I also wonder, going back to what Julie was talking about with the uh, the PCT in general, like, is the wallpaper more representative of this experience as of us designing the house and you picking out the wallpaper and picking out where it goes? Yeah, it's definitely probably more about the fun of the process. The endorphins that were, f- like, full-fledged going out of control when we were you know designing i will say don't go crazy don't put our house on the market but ever since having beatrice i have been like so at peace if we were to sell the house just because i'm kind of like well first of all i'm in the mood of purge everything i don't i'm sick of stuff i don't want so much stuff everywhere but also i kind of I do think, as Jesus as it sounds, home is where the heart is. And all that really I need to be happy is not stuff. I also wonder if I just um, believe too much in the, the American dream of home. Like, it, it's starting to bother me, like, on Instagram when, like, 
you hear people apologizing for their homes almost like this isn't my forever home as if they're really embarrassed of where they're currently living um and then i've recently seen some people like by building their quote-unquote forever home and i kind of just feel sad about that and i wonder if maybe part of the reason why i don't struggle with homesickness or feel like home is a certain way is maybe I feel like, oh, I haven't found my forever home or I'm not there or the home of my heart. And so because of that, everything is just kind of like not too solidified. I don't know. But then it, yeah, it really bothers me when people say forever home. Yeah, because you don't know what's going to happen. And also home is where the heart is and home is where you lay your head. Home is where the heart is and uh, any home can be struck by lightning. And so you just like, don't want to like put yourself in a box. (laughs) Well, also both of us have a hard time speaking in black and white terms. Just like I I always add qualifiers to everything. Nothing is forever. Nothing is like. There's an asterisk for everything. Because nothing is as it should be. Perhaps I still haven't clarified which home is the most valid, but these conversations have confirmed something I've already known, and that is, one of the slices of my pie that makes up my full circle of home is being with the people I love. And you feel loved, you know. Even though no one's here, the people that were here, I had love from them. (laughs) So this home is still filled with love. Unfortunately, the people I love were scattered all over the place. Next time on Unrooted. And I have no way to describe it other than I felt like I came home. We're going to talk about one of the places I love and the history of that land. To honor my ancestors and to honor the trail, um, we call it the Numupoyo. If you want to learn more about the Wichita tribe that was mentioned earlier in this episode, go to wichitatribe.com and click on the History tab. Wichita is spelled W-I-C-H-I-T-A. You're going to hear a lot of land acknowledgments throughout this series, and we'll be talking in depth about it in the next episode. And if this is new to you, don't worry. I'm learning too. Here at Unrooted, we would love to hear what home means to you. And by we, I mean I, because like I'm the only one really here. But I'd love to include your thoughts in an upcoming episode. Is home a specific place? A ritual you have? An object? A person? A food? Smell? Mindset? Or something you're still trying to find? Any answers are welcome, whether they're traditional, funny, out there, or heartbreaking. Record a short voice memo on your phone or computer and send it to unrootedpodcast at gmail.com. That's unrootedpodcast, one word, at gmail.com. Don't forget to include your name in the voice memo. I won't be able to include every voice submission, but I cannot wait to listen to them all. If you've enjoyed this podcast, there's a lot of ways you can help. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app, Share it with your friends, follow us on Instagram at Unrooted Podcast, and give us a review on iTunes. This episode was hosted and produced by Julie Hotz. All music in this episode was composed for the show by myself. Thanks for listening. <laughs>